is the Miller Lite Cowboys Hour. Supported by Albertsons. And brought to you by Miller Lite, the only beer of the Cowboys. It's Miller time. Albertsons and Tom Thumb, the official supermarket and pharmacy of the Dallas Cowboys. Luke Casey, the official bootmaker of the Dallas Cowboys. Blockchain.com, trusted by millions, trusted by America's team. And by Omni. Omni Hotels and Resorts, the official hotel of the Dallas Cowboys. It's Victory Monday! Now your hosts, Haley Sutton and Brad Chan. And welcome, and it is Victory Monday. It is. It is Victory Monday. Was that an okay Victory Monday yeah, response? Yeah, that was new. I wasn't expecting no, that. No, well, the jingle was new, but was the response okay? Much better, yes. Much better, Much okay. better than normal. Victory Monday, and you're out of your turkey comas. So you could respond. It's always great to see the Victory Monday fan club, <laughs> signage included. Nice to have you here. And uh, before I forget, we will be here at Cane Rosso uh, for two more weeks, two more shows after tonight, and then we move across the street and upstairs. But we get ahead of ourselves. We play one game at a time. We do one show at a time. And this one, I'm so happy that our guest is the Cowboys' outstanding safety, Malik Hooker. Thank you very much for Man, coming out and being with us. Matt, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. That, you know, I, I have said, I don't know how many times over the years, my favorite part of doing this show is the opportunity to make you guys become three-dimensional. Yeah. You're not just numbers with cages on your heads. You're actually <laughs> human beings who have personalities and... Um, and yours is so great, mm -hmm. and but but people haven't really, I don't feel like, had a chance to really get to know you very much since you've been here because, mm -hmm. you know, we were still in semi-COVID uh, last year and one thing and another, and but here we are. Mm -hmm. that, and so thank you. Thanks for coming. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I appreciate you for having me again. So um, we were just talking a few minutes ago about the fact that I, I Joe Trahan is the main booker from the Cowboys uh, PR staff. And when he and I were talking about mm -hmm. several weeks ago, we wanted to have Malik on. And I don't remember if we made – I don't believe that we made a, a special effort to do it tonight going into the game with the team that drafted you. Mm -hmm. And um, But for a bunch of injuries, and we'll get into all that, you'd probably still be playing for them. So the first obvious question mm. is, uh, what, what what will that feel like playing your old team? Uh, for me, it's, uh, it's a bittersweet moment. Uh, obviously, I'm gonna come across a lot of the guys that I played with, and you know, a lot of the coaches that I was there with. So you know, it's gonna be a bittersweet moment. But I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's a crucial part of the season right now. I mean, a lot of people don't know December is when you know a lot of the best ball gets played. So. Looking forward to taking our best our best foot forward going forward the second half of the season. How, the years you were in Indy, how many of those years were you playoff contenders? I think we was playoff contenders two of those years. Uh, first year was uh, without Andrew Luck, and then one of the years was when he first came back that last year he played. So you can maybe tell people, what's it like for a player? You know, for fans, if the year's not going the way they want it to go, mm -hmm. then, okay, they write something nasty on Twitter and they <laughs> call and curse somebody on the radio and then they go do Christmas shopping. Mm -hmm. uh, for players, it's a whole different deal. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'd like you to tell folks what it is like going into December when you are in major playoff contention. What's that feel like? 
Uh, it feels like you're like your schedule. Honestly, it's just like real backed up because you know you got to do a lot of like the family time, uh, a lot of Christmas shopping, and you know around that time that's when a lot of the family wants to see you. Obviously for the holidays, so you got to try to fit that in while still maintaining trying to do your studying and your game plan and everything that you normally do on a routine week. While you know, like I said, doing that throughout the Christmas shopping and stuff as well. So sometimes it gets a little you know mind-boggling and stuff like that, but. You know, that's what we're professional for. You know, like I said, I've been doing this for a good amount of years for me to kind of know what my routine is around this time of year. And what is that? So for me, like I said, well, now uh, it's a little different now because I had a, a baby girl last year. So normally for me, though, uh, I appreciate it. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. <laughs> He Thank really you. didn't do any of the work, but you're, that's fine. You're yeah, right. I didn't do none of the work. Yeah. But, uh, so around this time, like I said, I like to uh, – you know, kind of just reach out to a lot of the relatives because once season hits, uh, you don't talk to a lot of your family members as much as you would like to, you know, and that's uh, a crucial thing for a lot of the guys because we don't get much time off, especially when you're playoff t contenders. Obviously, everybody knows the season ends around February for, you know, the Super Bowl and everything. So you only get like three or four months when the season's over for you to kind of get your free time, your breath, fresh air, and your vacation time as well. So uh, it's kind of like you got to honestly – kind of have like a team behind the scenes that kind of helps you, you know, plan that stuff out. Like I have a great financial and business team that kind of helps me, you know, know when I'm going to be free with trips that we're going to take as far as my daughter and my, uh, my lady's time, what trips I'm going to take for myself. I also just will visit them and do for back home and stuff because I got to still go back home and see my mother and stuff as well. So that's kind of how it goes for a lot of the guys. Um, by the way, we welcome those of you listening anywhere on the Cowboys radio network. Always especially happy to see those of you who have come out mm -hmm. uh, tonight to Cane Rosso to be with us uh, live. And wherever you're listening around the Cowboys radio network and wherever and whenever you're streaming on DallasCowboys.com, look in the little box and wave to the people, Malik. How y'all doing? Yeah, there they are uh, on, on Cowboys.com. So um, let's talk about uh, the thing that people – Cowboy fans are really kind of fired up about looking mm -hmm. forward to, and that's uh, the way your defense has played, is mm -hmm. playing, and what specific challenges. I think every single team you have left is a threat to run for 500 yards in the first half. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, that's just how they're all built. Uh, how do you assess, take the pulse of your defense right mm -hmm. now for me? So right now, uh, for us, we're kind of, like I said, uh, based off of, I mean, you're seeing the game where we, we had gave up a lot of rushing yards against Green Bay and everything. You know, we kind of knew after that week that, you know, that was a, a big emphasis for us going in the second half of the season because obviously we play, I think, the, uh, Jonathan Taylor, um, Derrick Henry, Damian Pierce. Damian Pierce. So there's a lot of, you know, obviously, you know, big time running backs that we play see coming up down the road. and. We know that the run game was going to be an emphasis for us. And, you know, obviously we're still working through the little stuff that we got to fix and, you know, fix, I mean, scrape out. But right now that's just the main emphasis for us. Once we knock out the run game, I feel like, you know, you need to know what we got on third down as far as pass rushers, that those guys make a lot of the stuff for the secondary on the back end easy. So we just got to nail out the run game, and I feel like everything else from there will take care of itself. What's the key – sorry, real no, quick, no, Brad. What's no. the key in, in being successful in mm -hmm. the run defense? Because, we, you know, it's – Against the Vikings, it was really special because you guys mm -hmm. were up so much. Mm -hmm. So when it comes from a defensive standpoint, what's the key to stopping the run? As simple as it sounds for a lot, I mean, the answer is going to say the same thing. As simple as it sounds, it's just about, you know, doing your job, you know, because everybody in that point of the game, when it's a run game, it's, it's schemed out schematically for each guy to have a certain gap that they got to fit in. 
fit it a certain way for another guy to be able to fit off of it. So it's just honestly about just doing your job. So if it takes one thing as if somebody gets over, you know, reached or something like that on a play where a guy's supposed to fit, then it's knocking off three of the other guys that's supposed to be fitting behind it. And people don't see that because it just looks like, you know, the guys are slow. But that one mistake from the D tackle or whoever it may be can, you know, slow a lot of the stuff down on the defense end. Well, that's the thing I love most about football. Any mm-hmm. other sport, you were a basketball player. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you we, let me let me guess, uh, point guard. I played. I mean, I'm, I'm not tall, but I played I'm, one through five. Oh, of course, you, well, of course you did. Of course you did. So, uh, I, I mean, in in basketball, mm-hmm. at most levels, if you've got a good, a really good big man, whether he's a four or a five, and a mm-hmm. really good point guard, you can compete. You may not yeah. win a championship. But you can compete, mm-hmm. and and if you've got three pitchers in baseball, you can win. But in this sport, you can have ten guys do their job perfect, and one guy do what you just said, and mm-hmm. the play doesn't work. And the play and, doesn't work, right? And so, so the thing that's amazing to me is the way you guys communicate, and it seems like it's even better than it was last year. Is that correct? Yeah, it's it's definitely a thousand times better, just because everybody kind of knows what everybody's strengths is, what the weaknesses is, and it kind of makes it easier for you to, I guess, anticipate what the guy's going to do as far as on our side of the ball. Because I know for a fact that Donovan Wilson, he's going to run to the ball and he's going to make you know plays <laughs> and fill up a lot of the plays that guys might mess up or I might mess up myself included. So it's just certain stuff that once you play with each other and even off the field camaraderie that you, you talk to these guys for so long that you kind of know you get a feel for things that you can kind of get away with and you guys can kind of work on with and things that you can so. Going off of that, Dan mm-hmm. Quinn has spoken a lot about the chemistry that you guys have it's yeah. from the very beginning up until now. And I mean, it's kind of rare to have that chemistry off the top, kind of yeah. like you have, but what's the key in developing that as the season goes or, or knowing what Dono's gonna do in those situations like you just talked about? Uh, honestly, it's about seeing him do his job week in and week out. Uh, once a guy, cause we, I don't know if a lot of people knows how the grading scales go. So it goes like you get missed assignments and you get missed alignments based off of, you know, depending on if you did your job correctly or if you did your job, but you was aligned wrong. So when I see that he has none of them wrong every weekend and week out, and I know he's going to consistently be there in his, in his uh, area or his spot that he's supposed to be, it makes it easier for me because then I know that I don't have to worry about trying to overplay a play to make a play for somebody else because I know he's going to be there. So, like I said, as simple as it sounds, it plays a big factor because you have to have a lot of trust in knowing that that guy's going to be there for you. Like, say, if Anthony Brown knows I have inside help, he has to be really willing to trust to know that he can give the post up because I'm going to be there. So that just makes it a lot easier for us on that end, and that communication and uh, camaraderie helps that. Jaron Curse talked when we had him mm-hmm. as a guest on here. He talked about how you and Donovan mm-hmm. and himself were the three-headed monster. <laughs> yeah. uh, how have you guys kind of developed, I guess, in that mantra or kind of embraced that nickname? I honestly say just based off our different types of play styles. Uh, obviously, you know, J.K., he's kind of – well, he's a lot bigger than us <laughs> us two. You know, he's 6'4", and – He's able to cover. And, Does he think you know, he's a linebacker? <laughs> he might. He, he might a little like bit it. right now. <laughs> he might a little bit right now. So just that instinct of him being a lot bigger than me and Dono and, and a lot taller and being able to play that linebacker role gives him a little bit more freedom to be able to play certain positions on the defense as well as Donovan as well because he plays the box just as good as uh, J.K. as well, and he's a little smaller. So it's just 
that kind of put the roles to where Donovan Yensino is as the hard hitter. Uh, JK's more of the cover guy, and I'm more of the ball hawk from the interceptions and stuff that I came with when I first was uh, brought here. So that's kind of how we developed those roles of being a three-headed monster based off of our skill sets and kind of with the defense scheme too as well. The defensive schemes help us a little bit to where, like I said, JK can be a little more free roamer in a defense, if that makes sense. It so. does. We are just getting started on getting to know Malik Hooker. We're so happy mm -hmm. to have Malik with us this evening. Uh, we are at Cane Rosso in the Star District in Frisco. And we'll be right back on the Cowboys Hour. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
to the Miller Lite Cowboys Hour, supported by Albertsons. Welcome back to the Cowboys Hour, presented by Luke Casey, the official bootmaker of the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. We are here on Victory Monday. A month ago, you couldn't say Luke Casey, and and it rolls off your tongue, and now you can't say cheerleaders. I got mixed up in my reads here because they're they're different, so I mixed it up. We went Luke Casey first, but... I understand. Like I said, Victory Monday. Victory Monday! <laughs> I got to get better at that. Thank I got to tee them up better. Yeah. We well, are, they got to respond. I mean, <laughs> Some of them are eating. It's hard when they've yeah, they got right. a mouthful of food. Yeah. So. The, some of these people have talked with their mouths full before. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> Trust fair. me. That is fair. We are here with Malik Hooker. Uh, Malik, I want to kind of take you back to the beginning of our conversation that we were having. Mm. Obviously, your return to Indianapolis. You mentioned it was going to be bittersweet. Mm. Um, But the transition period from going from one team where you're drafted, that's kind of where you found your home for a few years, to making the transition to a new team. You're learning a new defense. You're building that chemistry. Can you just talk about what that process was like for you? When I first kind of knew the process of me about to be a free agent, it was was actually really stressful for myself because it's like, man, you got to – pack up everything you got in whatever state you're in. And depending on, I mean, luckily at the time, I mean, not luckily, but I was hurt at the time because if you're not hurt, you can just get dropped and then picked up and you got to just hurry up and go to that, that state or whatever team it is right at, right the next day. So luckily I had time, but just the thought of, you know, trying to readapt to a whole new team, a whole new coaching staff, uh, a new community and stuff like that, you know, for myself, it was it was going to be extremely difficult. But luckily when I got here, like I said, a lot of the uh, the community, it's funny because my first time here, the first day I had went to a restaurant and ate, and that was how I knew, like, this was the, the place for me because the people that was in there, they didn't know me or nothing. I didn't say nothing about football. And just the, the hospitality that they gave me and how nice they were, and everything like that. So I knew kind of that day that, you know, this is kind of the place that I wanted to be and uh, that I wanted to be here for a long term. So then after being here for a year and kind of meeting the guys and, you know, being out in the community and doing a little bit of stuff like that, it's like, man, Dallas is a different place, like hospitality-wise, food-wise. Like, I love Dallas. My family come to love Dallas. And I should have listened to my lady because she brought it up before we got <laughs> down here. What'd she say? She was she, – she, it's, it's funny because we Always to, listen to them, by the way. Always. You're right. You're right. Because she wanted to move down here, and I was like, I don't know, because we didn't have, like, the storm down here not too long ago. I'm like, I don't know. But I ended up getting down here still, and now it's like – we might be here long term, so it all worked out in the end. I, I want to go back further because mm-hmm. um, there are some people who have probably forgotten because we live in a very compressed uh, time of attention span. Yeah. I mean, this man's the 15th player in the draft uh, <laughs> in, uh, in, his, in his draft year, 2017, right? Yeah, 2017. So you were on the championship team at mm-hmm. Ohio I was State. I there with Zeke. With Zeke, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Bo- Is it true they had to separate Zeke and Bosa? Man, it, it, it might be a little true. It might yeah, be. A little it, true. Might be. Okay. it might be a little true. And, and it's funny not, because but not because they didn't get along, but because they got they along got a little too, too well. Too yeah. much. Yeah. And uh, it's funny because a lot of the guys that's here now, like Noah Brown was my roommate when I first, when we first we came in the same class in 2014. So it's like life comes around full circle. All right. So you're from Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Why are you? Why did you not go to Penn State or Pitt? Uh, honestly, I kind of wanted to get away from being home a little bit. I wanted to get out of, the, you know, trying to be homesick and stuff like that. Uh, so Columbus wasn't too far, but it was far enough for me to be away and kind of, you know, start getting on my own two feet, you know, without my mom being around. So I wanted to go there and, and, and put my uh, 
I guess my print on there instead of having to do it like the other guys around the area, which was like Pitt and Penn State and stuff like that. So. Well, you, you absolutely did that, and mm -hmm. that's how you got to be the second safety pick. Jamal Adams was ahead of you. Yeah. And um, the first, uh, the 15th pick in the draft. And so we were talking about this before we went on the air. I mean, when you are the 15th pick in the draft, yeah. you probably think, okay, I'm in Indianapolis. They picked me 15th. I'm going to be here for the rest of my life, didn't you? As it is definitely the first thought you think of because it's like you have so many expectations and you know the expectations that are you know uh, supposed to be of you. So it's like you want to hit those expectations, those goals, and those accomplishments that are set for you. And you know for you not to do it or you not to at least at the time be on the way to doing so. You know it can be difficult for some guys. So one of the things that I, you know, there's, there are so many great stories on any team. Mm -hmm. Haley, you played. There are great stories on every soccer team. I played team. soccer. I want to clear Not that football, up. Not football, yeah. I played the other football. But you played on a, on a championship college soccer did. team. did. Go Mean Green. Mm -hmm. So there are great stories on every, every team, good yeah. and bad. When you win a championship or contend for one, those stories get to get told. Mm -hmm. You're one of the reasons I hope this team has a nice long run because I think that the, the – um, Stories of how the injuries from which you've come back, mm -hmm. injuries plural, yes, sir. to put yourself in this position to be a starter and a leader on a championship caliber defense, that's a tremendous example for young kids. Mm -hmm. And it really can be in any walk of life. So I got a, I, I, I'm trying to get a list here. When was the first time you got hurt? Uh, I came out uh, for the draft with a torn labrum in my hip, and I had a, a bilateral sports hernia as well. Did you know it at the time, or did you find that at the combine? No, I, f I found it out a little bit after the season because I played my last three college games with that, and I thought it was just like a, a groin strain, and I ended up having to get scans after the season and ended up finding out that that's what I was uh, diagnosed. I mean, the, obviously what I had. So mm -hmm. once I figured that out, I ended up having a surgery, uh, came out, had a good first half of the year starting off my rookie year. I had like three interceptions in the game, a couple games back to back. And by it was the seventh game of the season, I want to say like before halftime, I ended up getting hit in my knee and tore my ACL, my MCL. So that was my first one. So I, I want to go back for a second because uh, mm -hmm. until I always thought the labrum was in the shoulder. You no. <laughs> You learn a lot about the you body. You do. In your shoulders and, and in your hips. And I didn't <laughs> know that. They're similar sockets. They are. But I didn't know that the one in the hip was called a labrum until Tyrone Crawford, who was a mm. tremendous player here and really tough, uh, tore the labrum in his hip, tried to play with it. Man. And so that's hard. How did you play even a game oh. with that? Uh you just got to try to rehab it, honestly, and a lot of ibuprofen. <laughs> it was a like rehabbing a lot of ibuprofen because it was like the pain was, wasn't was really something that was tolerable for a lot of people. So I was just like, man, I got to make these last three games because, you know, just seeing the game last week, Ohio State and then team up north, it was like, man, I got to play in this game. See, he can't even say it. <laughs> he won't, <laughs> won't even say the name of I can't, the I, – I, I, I definitely can't say it after, after Saturday. But I, I, it was like I had to play, play in that game. And, you know, it was the last game of the season, so I had to fight through that, and I ended up making it. And still, luckily and, you know, thankfully, was able to be drafted the 15th pick of the draft. So the – the a knee injury was mm -hmm. in Indianapolis in your rookie year? 
had a knee injury on both knees. I had a uh, ACL and MCL on my right knee, and then I had a meniscus in 2019 on my left knee. And you and you rehabbed that. Mm-hmm. And when did you tear your Achilles? I tore my Achilles in 2020. I came right back uh, from, I want to say, my meniscus not too long after, and literally was just took like two back pedals and just tore my Achilles. That's how that ended up happening. But I did that in 2020. So you understand that when you just you and it just kind of rolls off your tongue like, yeah, you know, I backed into right. my garage. <laughs> and, <laughs> just took a couple uh, steps. The <laughs> fact that you are playing professional football at the extremely high level you're playing it mm-hmm. with that list of injuries just within the last three or four years yes, to me it's a tremendous testament to your determination and your work ethic mm. what do you think about it when you look back at it uh honestly i look back at it and i just think like man it was uh just hunger like you know i knew what i was capable of i knew the talents and you know the gifts that i was blessed with and I wanted to show everybody else that. So it was like every time that something like that had happened, it was like, all right, well, now they, they really don't believe I'm going to come back from this injury. So now I got to fight back twice as hard to get back from that. And, you know, it wasn't just necessarily that. You know, I had a great support team as well behind that. Uh, even some of the guys from the Colts I still was talking to, and they was, you know, pointing me in directions as far as my rehab and stuff like that. So it was like I had a great support system, uh, resilient and you know, like I said, I just kept my, you know, my head down and believed in my faith and knew what I wanted to accomplish. And that's what really got it done for me. So is that the motivation that kind of keeps you going now, that same kind of I'll prove you wrong type mentality? Yeah, it's, it's like now for me, like it's like I've been here. I've been in worse positions. You know, like you said, that list of uh, injuries, a lot of the guys, you know, that they don't come back from that. So I've, they don't I've come done back it. from one of those. <laughs> I, I, I've done it for, you know, the, the major injuries that a lot of people don't come back from. Like I said, I had the Achilles in, I had the ACL and. People don't come oh, back and, from that. And, and the hip labrum. Let's not forget that. <laughs> so it's like now for me, like anything anything else is small. Like I ain't got nothing else really in my mind. I'm, I look at it as I don't got nothing else that can be harmed in that way. In that way. You know, I've done all my, my bad karma or whatever you want to call it as far as that. My bad juju. I got it all out. So now, you know, I just go out there with a clean mind, clean heart. And, then, you know, I know what, what it took back to get me here. You signed – You. I'm sorry, Haley. Nope. You signed – just before training camp last year. Mm-hmm. At what point after that? Because you, I knew, I know you were confident, but you got to prove to yeah, yourself because yeah. you know what you are when you're not hurt. Yeah. When did you realize? Okay, I really am back, and now I'm fixing to show folks who Malik Hooker is. It's it's kind of like I'll say two things: when you make a play, when you finally make a play in practice, believe it or not, when you come back from that injury and you get in the you the guys come and they're jumping on you stuff like that. That kind of is a welcome moment. Like, all right, I'm back from an injury, and you know, just seeing certain bursts and stuff that you've seen from yourself before. Once you get to you, because you'll know your body and stuff like that. Once you've been through so 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 many injuries and stuff like that, like I said, you learn the body. You, you start to realize and notice stuff that ain't right, you know. So once it once it came down to that, I already knew that uh, the – I forgot what I was about to say. I'm sorry. When, <laughs> when did you know you were back to being all of Malik Yeah, Hooker? so once it, once it came back to me kind of knowing that I was going to be a fully back was once, I, like I said, once I seen the plays of me bursting on the field and the plays that I made, that was when I kind of knew that I was going to be back. Now that you've kind of you, we've gone through the laundry list of all mm-hmm. the injuries you've been through, how does your approach change when it comes to that 
prehab. I think mm. J. Ron Curse was the one that talked about <laughs> oh, the importance man. of that, but man. just your approach in that. And it's crazy because uh, I used to go off a, a, a saying, I used to be like, cheetahs don't stretch. You know, when you're young, <laughs> I, used to tell, I used to say that I was you're young. You're a cheetah. And I used to be like, man, I'm a cheetah. I'm going to just wake up. I ain't got to stretch. I'm able to just get out there and run. But the older you get, you really start yeah, to realize, yeah, like, like man, do I got to. So it's like now, like, I got to go My through. My friend, like, you have no idea. <laughs> so it's like now I got to go through, like, a whole process of, like, warming up in the hot tub and getting stressed out before I even get a stretch on the field. So, you know, that's kind of, you know, the thing that I notice more about myself now. You know, I take that a little more seriously than I did when I was younger because, you know, you – you had that mindset, I'm going to be young forever, and then the injuries happen. You're like, ah, oh, I ain't Superman now. Ha, ha, you know? ha. Your body <laughs> says, ha, you know, ha, ha. So. Uh, you now see why we were so uh, anxious to have Malik Hooker here mm -hmm. this evening. Uh, we will have your questions for those of you who are here at Cane Rosso mm -hmm. uh, for Malik a little bit later in the program. But uh, first, we're going to take one more break, and we'll be right back on the Cowboys Hour.
to the Miller Lite Cowboys Hour, supported by Albertsons. Welcome back to the Cowboys Hour, presented by Albertsons. When it comes time to shop for tailgate favorites, go to Albertsons and Tom Thumb. Get 10% off your groceries every time Dallas Cowboys game day when you wear your Cowboys jersey. Albertsons and Tom Thumb, the official supermarket and pharmacy of the Dallas Cowboys. I'm glad they brought that music down. I feel like I was shouting that. Wear your Cowboys jersey to Albertsons. <laughs> well, I think that's the idea. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> we are joined here with Malik Cooker. We've been talking football, injuries, and Malik, one thing I wanted to ask you, and I'm glad that you brought it up when we were talking about your injuries, mm. uh, you mentioned the support that you had in getting through that, and that was helpful. Mm. Um, just talk to me about family, how important that is to you, how important your family has been to you in this journey up until this point. Yeah, so, uh, you know, once you I'll, – I'll say, like, from the recruiting process, once you go through a process of – for me, my mother, she was, like, my, my agent, I guess <laughs> you could say. And my mom, she's a basketball fan, so she didn't really know that much about football, so – she had to do a lot of like researching and studying and really to understand the game to kind of provide the stuff that we needed at the time for me to get to where I wanted to be as far as the NFL and stuff like that. So when we got to the NFL, we already kind of been through the process of eliminating, you know, the people that, you know, we felt like wasn't around or, and, you know, the guys, the people that come around once you end up making money and stuff like that. So that kind of helped me a lot through that process because of the fact of I already knew who I was able to trust the team you know my I already had my my solidified you know team for me in my background and it it's still it's funny because my team when I say my team it's my siblings I got two sisters two older sisters my older sister she's like my you might as well say my business manager you might as well say and uh my middle sister and then I got two younger brothers and you know, with whatever decision I make, you know, we in a group chat and we talk about stuff like that. So that was more so the support that I needed and stuff like that, just keeping me off, my mind off of, you know, going to that deep place. Because once you have something significant like that happen, you can tend to get into a deep mm -hmm. place. And, you know, like you said, we were just talking about some guys might have, you know, retired or stopped playing after that. But luckily, you know, they kept giving me that motivation, that keep pushing it, and that mindset that they knew that I can do it more than I could myself, you know, and that's all somebody most of the time needs. What do they do for a living, your siblings? My siblings, so my oldest sister, uh, she works at a school with kids. Well, not my oldest sister, my middle sister. My uh, oldest sister, she's kind of like a, like I said, she's all around. You might as well say my businessman because she helps a lot of stuff for me on the side too as well. So uh, my mom, she's a teacher as well. My, uh, my youngest brother, he's more like a, uh, he works like a nursing home. And then my youngest brother right now, he transferred to YSU. He's playing football there right now. Wow. Uh, yeah, I already knew I did not want to mess with your mother or your <laughs> sister. But so much yeah. respect for them. So mm. during the break, I asked Malik if after the Achilles, the Achilles that ends a huge percentage of the careers of any athlete who has that injury. Yeah. You had it after the ACL and the MCL and the labrum and the – and a lot of guys would have mm. said, uh, okay, God, mm -hmm. I hear you. I'm listening. <laughs> and you said, no, I've got one more in me. I got, I got more fight in me. And like I said, it's back to my mom and them. Like, they was more so of when I say I, I got one more. They was like, man, you, you got this. You can, you can shake back from this. And you can make, you know, be the player that you want to be. So when I say I got one more in me, I was like, man, if something significant like that would have happened again after that, then maybe I probably wind up. But the fact that, you know, my mother and them was able to give me that the words of encouragement and believe in myself, like I said, at that time, it was a dark spot for me as far as, you know, dealing with the injury. So for them to have that light and, you know, just you got this, you got this. And then on top of seeing the progression at the time, that's what kind of helped me get through that. But have you always been tight? Yeah, we always been tight because uh, 
like I said, it's always been me and my siblings all under the same household and everything. So we always been real close knitted family from since we was young. Because it's family, they can be supportive mm-hmm. and say, "You've got this. We know who you are. Mm-hmm. We believe in you." Mm-hmm. And you could say, "Yeah, you know, I love y'all, but this is." my body that I'm in over mm-hmm. here and you don't know yeah. what this feels like. Yeah, but that's my why. You know, like I said, my family, that's my why. That's why, you know, a lot of the, the stuff that I fought through, that was what was helping me get through that because I know, you know, once they put that you know, belief in me and they're who I'm doing it for, you know, why wouldn't I get out there and try, you know, give it another shot? You know, and that's how I looked at it. Why wouldn't I not? Another layer to that you just talked about earlier as well, your mm-hmm. new baby girl. How has that shifted your mindset oh, or man. focus as far as fatherhood? Oh, man. Uh, Let's say this. First off, I forgot about the part of uh, Planned Parenthood that <laughs> you gotta you gotta teach the kids how to use the bathroom. I forgot about that part. Yes, of yes, you do. <laughs> Why? So, yes, you do. So right now, just to update, uh, my daughter she's 17 months right now. So you know she's real right now in the phase of where we're trying to teach her how to use the potty, and it's fun and it's a process as well. So fatherhood for me right now, man, is actually what makes games like the Green Bay game a lot easier to take because you go home you. You go home and you put these these young you know human beings in your arms and you're like man this is really a younger me you know a little me so that's why I'll say fatherhood man it's a, it's everything for me right now you know it's, it's keeping a smile on my face even when days feel long or you know things like that so I couldn't be more thankful than you know having my baby girl. The great thing about them mm-hmm. is for a few more years you've got this <laughs> where when you come in. Mm-hmm. They don't know if you won or lost or care. Yeah, all they know is daddy's home. And that's another thing, too, because, I mean, right now she, she just smiles. So when she get older, I feel like she's going to be an athlete and stuff. And, you know, based off of how me and her mothers were real competitive, so she might, you know, get the trash talking if I lose down the road. So <laughs> no, I would now. say that based on everything you've said about all of your family, uh, mm-hmm. that you, you, may, you might have until she's about seven before you come in the door and she yeah. says, Dad, what were you thinking on that conversation? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. She's going to have her, her notepad out. <laughs> we're going to have to go through the film at that point because if she get on me like that, I'm going to have to correct my mistakes and let her know I did it. <laughs> so. I love getting to talk to you guys. I think every single guy who we've had on Cowboys mm-hmm. Hour and then guests that I've had on First and Ten as well have all been fathers. And mm-hmm. it's so my favorite part of asking that question mm-hmm. is just seeing the way you guys immediately light up yeah. any chance you get to talk about your baby. I think most of you guys, except Micah, may, or not Micah, um, Michael has mm-hmm. a little boy. But mm-hmm. everyone else who I've talked to, I think, has little girls. Man, that's what I was about to say. It's a lot. It's a lot of girls. There was a lot of girls. I, I want to say for the last two years, there's been a lot of girls on yeah. the team. So, you know, it's been special for a lot of guys because now we can really relate and, you know, yeah. go in there, have our funny stories about <laughs> our kids as well. So Do you all share stories with each oh, other about we, it? Man, <laughs> we talk about that all the time, you know, because it's funny because, you know, for us right now, we're not used to having the kids a lot like that, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, depending on how old your kid is, like my daughter goes to uh, school and everything in the morning and she comes home in the afternoon. And by that point, I'm just now getting home from work and she has a bedtime and everything. So when I come home, it's like I got to try to hurry up and get all my fun and stuff in in that little short of time before our, both our best times because we both got to get up early the next day. So it's like you just appreciate stuff like that and that little process and stuff like that. So is she? Does she know uh, yet that it's Christmas time and all the all that uh, stuff? T- I mean, I think she kind of knows something special is going on because my daughter, like, she 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 realizes and notices a lot of stuff that I wouldn't think she would at this age. So. I think she knows that it's like a holiday because she keeps asking for a lot of candy. I think she got the wrong <laughs> one, but I, I think she knows it's a holiday going on. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll start putting up the Christmas decorations and, you know, the Christmas movies and everything and start showing her that, you know, that Christmas spirit. 
What's been your favorite moment of fatherhood so far? Uh, I honestly say when I had her. When I first had her, they let me, you know, go through the whole process. I don't even think I needed a doctor. They let me put the, the robe Again, on let me point everything. out, you didn't do any of the work. No, I did everything this time, honestly. Like, they let me, I, I literally hand-delivered my daughter and everything from, I was the first one to touch her and everything. So I made Well, you sure. were the second one to touch her. Well, other than her mother. Yeah, thank other you. Than her mother. Thank you, yes. Uh, yeah, but yeah, they love so, Yes. So, so for me, that was the main thing for me. I mean, uh, I knew that was going to be the most special thing for me because, you know, like I said, I, uh, as far as fatherhood, I knew that this was like planned out from A to Z as far as with me and my lady. So it made it that much more special. And I wanted that special moment to be the best one. Sam, when I asked Sam that same question, he said something along the same lines, but he goes, yeah, when he came out, I, it was weird for me. <laughs> See, no, I was cool. I was cool because I, man, I already prepped myself yeah. for it. You know, I had, had seen a little, a couple videos, stuff like that. So when the time came, I, I was pretty, you know, pretty yeah. calm when the time came. And it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. All right. Um, before we have to take our next break, mm -hmm. Haley was asking you about bowling mm -hmm. before we were on the air. I, Talk to him about that. Yeah, that it just seems it's so interesting the things that you guys are oh, interested man. in outside of the field. Bowling mm -hmm. has been the reoccurring theme. J. Ron Kirst told us he has five custom bowling balls. Oh, at least five. You mentioned Micah has custom bowling yeah. balls. So what is it with bowling and the Cowboys? I don't know. I feel like, you know, when it hits a certain point, of the, well, in the offseason, when we're not playing football, we all think we're professionals in every other sport. Sure. So, you know, this the past offseason we had professional cornhole players, <laughs> professional bowling. So right now I feel like bowling's the, sp the sport where we know that we can kind of be good, obviously, because we have strength and we can kind of, you know, throw the ball accurately. So uh, this offseason we went bowling and Micah, he brought his own ball. J.K. brought his own ball and everything. So we definitely have to get another session because I feel like without my own ball, I'm better than those guys. So we're definitely going to have to get our own session. So now. now you have to get your own bowling ball and then all of y'all are going to have to. If it gets to that point where <laughs> I feel like they're looking too good for me as far as throwing the ball and everything, I'm going I'm to definitely have to get my own ball because I, I don't like losing. And I know they ain't going to want to <laughs> lose in that either because you lose something like that, they talk about that for the rest of the year. You don't hear the end of it until you win. So I can't let that happen. Malik Hooker's our guest this evening on the Cowboys Hour. We are at Cane Rosso. In uh, Frisco, the Star District. Your questions for Malik when we come back.
to the Miller Lite Cowboys Hour, supported by Albertsons. We are back here at Tane Rosso for Cowboys Hour, presented by Papa John's. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's, the official pizza of the Dallas Cowboys. I'm sorry, can I interrupt you for a moment? Oh, I just gosh. noticed your jacket. Isn't it great? This is, you, you... You, I'm stylish. If, if you are not <laughs> following, I'm stylish. Haley <laughs> on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Then you should because you are stylish. Yeah, this is nice. This is actually a shout out to you because you you told me I never wear any cowboy stuff. So this is my jacket. This is a very slick jacket. It's uh, it's got this cool doomsday patch on the inside too. So shout out to my boyfriend Marcel for buying this for me. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's it's good. It's warm. I was told I don't wear enough Cowboys gear, so. Um, are you a, are you a, uh, what once was known as a clothes horse? Are you big into clothing? No. No. If I could, I would wear sweat, sweats every day. My man. If I could. <laughs> I would wear. J-Ron, I found out last year. Oh, man. He, he, <laughs> he thinks he is GQ. Oh, man. J-Ron does dress nice, though. I ain't gonna lie. He, oh, I ain't gonna lie, he he definitely he, he can definitely dress. I mean, some of the stuff that he wears, I wouldn't be able to pull pull it off myself personally. But I feel like you know, J.K. He definitely has his own style. That's yeah, good. What's a, what's something he, you've seen him wear that you would not even try to wear? Oh, man, I don't know. I can't I can't even sit, go to think of something that he maybe maybe what he wore the, the last home game. I was gonna say the, the sweater. Song, yeah. Was it the, the sweater? sweater? I could do the sweater, but the rest of the fit, like I just, yeah. I ain't that stylish for me to pull that off. Yeah. Like that's him, JK. He can pull that off like that. J. Ron is much more like his fashion's not He's like trendy spoken. fashion. It's very much like what you would see on like New York fashion. Yeah, yeah. Like it's very that niche of like designer fashion versus like I think Dak has good fashion, but he's very much more like buttoned up fashion. Zeke, I think, is a little trendy. Yeah, I'm more just, all I need is some sweatpants and a sweatshirt. CD and okay. is very trendy. He, <laughs> yeah. CD, I think, is like a blend of trend and, and designer. I, I am a total Malik Hooker guy. <laughs> I, I'm more so, I, like, I'm, I like sneakers more so. Like, I'm more in the shoes. Nice. How many pairs? I used to have, man, I used to have a bunch. I'm, I'm actually not that bad now. I'm probably, I probably got, like, 40 pair right now. But before, I probably I had gave a lot away because I had so many. It was starting to overfill my closet. I was probably at like 70 pair, and I was still incoming. Like I would have boxes of shoes and stuff. But I mean, I'm more so now. Like I'm into just more so. I don't even want to say sneakers. It's more so the color frame of the sneakers. Mm -hmm. Sure. Like, I like the color frame. How many of them are still in boxes that have never met your feet? Ooh. Oh, I don't like that. About 30 either. of them. <laughs> I don't like that. Out of 40. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie, about 30 out of 40. Like I'm, cause I, cause you figure my routine. I don't really do nothing outside of my routine. Like I got the same routine even in the off season. Like I'll go work out after my workout. I do family time, and then I like to just be around the house. Like I'm real laid back. I like being in my own space. You know, stuff like that. I, I would have more questions along this line <laughs> for you, except that I know my own habits, and I have no room to ask you. <laughs> but these are good. No, no, these these, are good. no, 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 no. I collect other things. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I, it's, yeah. yeah. How many pens do you think a human being can use at one time? I use a lot of pens. Yeah. So probably not as many as I, you. I, but like, I, 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 I like fine writing instruments. I have way too many. That's fair. You want to know what's funny? That's not that's not a strange thing though, because I catch myself like that too. Like I like I like utensils that kind of have like a real neat writing to it too, like they pen. Flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then if it's really 
if it's something in the craftsmanship and what it's made of and all of that, it almost becomes an accessory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're talking about pins. I, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> all right, we've got cowboy fans with questions for Malik Hooker. Good evening, Malik. My name is Rambo. Hey, how you doing, brother? How you doing tonight? Doing great, thank you. Yes, sir. So the NFC East uh, race is very, very tight right now. Mm-hmm. And I think I could speak for a lot of the Cowboy Nation fan base, but we're all holding our breath, waiting for Philly to hit a slump. I know we were cheering. You're running on. out of calendar, Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh-huh. We're cheering for Aaron Rodgers last night. Mm-hmm. So last night, were you an Aaron Rodgers or Jalen Hurts fan? Man, I honestly didn't even watch it, honestly. I, uh, man, at the time the game was going on, I think I was putting baby girl to bed. But, I mean, if I had to pick, I would have been an Aaron Rodgers fan for sure. I would have been an Aaron Rodgers fan for sure because we, we need that, and then they got to see us again the second half of the season. What's up, Malik? My name is Corey. Um, my question is, what's the difference between year one um, and year two just being on the Dan Quinn system, not only for you as, as well as the team, and do you think you got a little mo- a little motivation on the Sunday facing your old team Sunday night? Yeah, I'll say the comfortability. Like like I told them earlier, once you get to being in the building and, you know, knowing the, the characteristics of a lot of the guys that you're working with and, you know, building that camaraderie and that comfortability with those guys, you start to be able to, you know, come out on the field and, like I said, do stuff that you normally a lot of guys wouldn't be able to do just for the simple fact of we have a great defense here, we have a great team here, and we got a lot of uh, great athletes here as far as that. So that that takes away a lot of the stuff that we, well, other guys wouldn't be able to do. So I feel like going into Sunday, though, uh, you know, I'm just looking forward to playing, man. I'm not, you know, looking forward as no other team. It's, it's just, you know, I want to be one and know and just keep this thing going. My name's Tanner. Go Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Um, my question is uh, the intensity playing in the NFL versus mm-hmm. playing in a championship game. Which one is more intense when you play? Say it again. I didn't hear you say it again. When you play in the regular NFL game, mm-hmm. what was more intense than playing in your championship game? My championship game in college or? Yes. Yes, in uh, college. I'll probably say the NFL because, I mean, obviously, you know, like, fans know you're you're grown and, you know, you're an adult. So they don't hold back from in the NFL. But in college, you know, you don't get as bad. You might get a couple fans that, you know, have a little bad mouth here and there, but it's not as bad as that. So I'll say more so that. So e- Even in Columbus? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, luckily I started off on the right foot, so they love me and I ain't have to deal with that. But, I mean, it can get pretty ugly in Columbus too, man, if, if you're not winning. That uh, – Championship game, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. was at AT&T Stadium. AT&T Stadium. What did you think of it then when you went in there with Ohio State for that championship game? When I went there, man, I was so shocked then because it's like when you walk into there, it's so bright and, you know, you hear about, you know, America's team and you get in there and you see it and it's like, man, this is what I see on TV all the time. And, you know, you start thinking about the people that played on that stadium and then you finally go there, man. It's just like a life, a dream come true, man. It's, it's something that's unexplainable, and, I mean, at the time, I wasn't playing, so I got to fully cherish and, you know, and take that whole moment in, you know. So it was just as beautiful as it was then and it is now. So. <laughs> and, so, and how do you feel about mm-hmm. it now that you that's your office now? Man, like I said, now, like, I, I, it's still surreal to me to, uh, to be able to, like I said, call myself a Dallas Cowboy because, you know, I, I, coming from another team, it's not like it's too much different as far as how things are ran, but – just the, the buildings, it's not all the same. So, you know, we're very, we're very, you know, 
thankful here and very blessed to be able to walk in this building here because it's beautiful. And like I said, even just this outside of here is very nice. So Yeah, but which, by the way, an excellent point. Any of you listening who uh, have an opportunity to during the uh, Christmas mm. season, what they do here at the Star That's is true. in the whole Star District, it's just magnificent. I mean, it's just gorgeous. In fact, I just turned around and looked and realized that on the big screen on the Ford Center, we're on there. And I oh, we are. I, yes, wow. I, I almost uh, fainted when I saw myself that. I'm big, but that's, that's too to big. Yeah, it's beautiful. You really need, you need to come out, bring the kids, bring the family. It's just beautiful here. Hi, guys. I'm super honored to be here. I'm actually visiting you guys from Oxnard, California. Oh, man, oh, we man. love Oxnard. Appreciate it. I do, too. That's why I live there. And I'm super stoked when you guys come and visit us over there, mm -hmm. have great practices. And the fan interaction is always amazing. It's how I became a Cowboy fan mm. in 1980, actually, was through practice. My, cap, my dad's a Raiders fan. Mm. It's is right. what it is. Hey, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's uh, so, go ahead. excited to be here. Mm. How does it feel to wear number 28 for the Dallas Cowboys? Uh, it's funny because when, uh, when I first knew that I was coming here and I was told that I was getting a number, I'm like, man, I don't know if I want all the backlash from this number because, you know, everybody in uh, Dallas Cowboys Nation know this is a special number. It's a unique number, and it's a number that I feel like, you know, should be retired. So when I first came, I honestly didn't want the number, you know, but at the same time when I was putting it, it was like, man, the standard's high, and it's like I want to uphold the standard as much as I can. And hopefully, man, he's proud of how much how good I played for him so far. Do you know Darren? Darren Woodson? No, I don't know him? him. I mean, I don't know him personally, but just you ha Darren. Have you met him? No, not yet. Not yet. Woody. <laughs> I'm fixing to text him right now. That's that's just wrong. Yeah. Because yeah. he was a second-round pick. Oh, he done a lot better than me, man. I'm, I'm just hoping I'm up holding the jersey. I'm yeah. just hoping I'm okay, up holding we, the jersey That's a photo op waiting to happen, Darren Woodson and Malik Hooker right now. <laughs> um, okay, so we've got about uh, we got about a minute left. Um, beginning of the year, Dak gets hurt. Mm -hmm. You guys are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And I think it allowed Cooper Rush to have the success that he had. And he was great. He mm -hmm. did. And we've had Cooper here. Um, how is it different for you guys in the month since Dak's been back? Uh, honestly, it honestly ain't been no different. We still prepare the same way as if, you know, Dak wouldn't be out there. Because at the end of the day, you know, we feel like if we uphold our end of the game, I mean, on our side of the ball as far as not letting the team score, then, you know, it's easy for the offense because all they got to do is, you know, score. So, whether Dak's out there or not, we just always had the same mentality that we wanted to be the most dominant team in the uh, NFL. And, you know, we're still working towards that. And right now, I feel like, you know, we're, we're pretty on pace for it, you know, based off of the steps we've been taking these last couple weeks. What's the biggest lesson that you've learned about yourself throughout this five, six-year process? Uh, adversity, man. You got to be able to handle it. You got to take your wins with your losses because they're definitely going to happen. You know, whether it's on the field or off the field, uh, you know, Plays are going to happen. Guys get paid just like I do. So I know plays are going to be made on me. I know I'm going to make plays. So I got to be able to stay pretty much complacent when I make the plays or if I don't make the plays. Uh, I'm getting you together with Darren Woodson. That's my mission now. I'm going to try <laughs> to make it happen this week. Thank Malik Hooker for being with us. Thank you. Really appreciate Thank you, you coming, man. You Thank uh, you. Thanks for being here on Victory Monday. And uh, we'll see you next week right here at this same time on the Cowboys Hour. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!